there are a lot of political decisions. There's going to be a lot of stuff that seems ideological and divisive, but this only works if we all follow along and we are kind of having to hold ourselves and our friends, our peers, our neighbors accountable for it. Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content following this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning. More of our virtual town hall with Indiana's congressional delegation coming up this morning. But first, the latest on Governor Holcomb's decision Friday to open parts of our state's economy next week. It's a five-step plan that the governor hopes will have the state fully reopened by the 4th of July. We are doing this together. Those efforts will help us reach the goal of having Indiana back on track by July 4th, Independence Day. All right, so again, this is a five-step plan. Stage two starts next week, except in Marion County and two other counties. In Marion County, Mayor Hogsett announced this week the city was extending its stay-at-home order another two weeks. Health officials at every level, along with the lived experience of our city's brave health care workers, have all told us the same thing. And that message has been loud and clear. We are not in the clear yet. Now, the mayor said Friday he was looking over the state's plans. We did get this statement from candidate for governor Woody Myers, who said the steps taken by the governor are premature and increased the likelihood of worsening. Cases are on their way up, not down. He says our economy is in trouble, but the economy will only improve when Hoosiers are confident, feel safe, and are healthy. We have a closer look at the governor's plan on our website. Meantime, on Thursday, the governor was joined by former Indiana governor, Vice President Mike Pence, who toured the GM facility in Kokomo that's been producing ventilators during this crisis. Kayla Sullivan has more. This isn't the first time Vice President Mike Pence has visited this GM plant in Kokomo, but it is the first time he's seen this facility make ventilators for COVID-19 patients. GM partnered with Ventec Life Systems to make 30,000 ventilators by the end of August. Pence is seeing firsthand how that production is possible with social distancing and other safety measures during this pandemic. Being among people who put together this plant in 17 days, and produced the first ventilator in three days and in less than a month have produced 600 ventilators for the American people. I couldn't be more inspired. GM delivered its first batch of ventilators to Chicago hospitals last week and more than 6,000 are expected by June. Reporting in Kokomo, I'm Kayla Sullivan. Kayla, thanks. Now to our virtual town hall. We took your questions straight to Indiana lawmakers. And we start with my interview with Indiana Senator Todd Young. I asked him about Mitch McConnell's comments about possibly letting states go bankrupt. Do you think we should allow states to go bankrupt or could that lead to other problems? You know, I, I think that uh, he was trying to make a, a serious policy point about not using uh, the current situation as an excuse to bail a state out for decisions that uh, were made ill-advised decisions uh, prior to the pandemic. An example would be our neighbor, the state of Illinois, which really for decades has been um, 
dealing in false promises to their citizens, telling uh, their hardworking public safety employees and others uh, that their pensions were fully funded when in fact they weren't. And, and, and so it shouldn't be the responsibility of the people of Indiana, for example, to pay for those false promises. Hoosiers had uh, good enough sense to elect people that uh, balanced our budget developed a rainy day fund for the rainiest of days. And, and so I think that was the majority leader's point of emphasis. We do need to come up with some kind of mechanism for these states, uh, short of a federal bailout, uh, to be able to make these uh, employees whole. On the topic of preparedness, Ann Pointer from Westfield asks, what have we learned over the past few months and what changes should be made to be better prepared in the future as a household, community, state, and as a country? It's a great question, and we've learned that we need to make ourselves more resilient uh, as it relates to uh, our ability to draw on stockpiles of essential uh, personal protective equipment, uh, test kits, and other uh, areas. So uh, that means uh, we don't have to wait until something like this hits, uh, but instead we will have enough supplies really to get us up and running in, in, in short order. This has been a challenge for decades. Uh, in fairness. And, and so uh, this is why I, I really commend our governors and the private sector for manufacturing um, uh, many of these things that uh, we didn't have on hand. We also have to be less reliant on countries who don't share our values, China in particular. We cannot be in the future, in the next pandemic situation, reliant on a uh, communist dictatorship uh, for our essential supply. So we're going to be rethinking the supply chains and, and identifying those uh, items that are essential to keep the American people safe and secure in similar circumstances. One more question on preparedness. Susan Edmondson from Terre Haute asks, can you respond to concerns about a possible pandemic being included in the president's daily intel briefings earlier this year and whether they were ignored? She asks, should Congress look into that question? I don't have any visibility into that. Uh, I, I think that because that uh, those reports are highly classified, that's uh, a matter that our intelligence committee will likely be looking into. The White House daily briefings, uh, certainly a different look there Social this week, perhaps a change in messaging strategy after last week the president had uh, ad-libbed about uh, some ideas in terms of uh, different treatments. Do you think that was a, a wise move to change uh, the strategy there in terms of uh, messaging coming from the White House? Do you think some of that messaging uh, needs to be more clear in some cases? You know, respectfully, Hoosiers didn't send me to Washington to uh, to try and and, uh, you know, assess the president's messaging strategy. They sent me to Washington to try and uh, ensure the economy uh, gets moving. We've done that uh, to ensure that we respond to any emergencies that might occur. I played a very active and constructive role in that part. Uh, and to carry Hoosier's voice uh, to uh, important public policy matters that impact their daily lives. And, and uh, that's what I've been focused on. All right, Senator Todd Young there in an interview with us on Thursday. We heard from a number of lawmakers in our virtual town hall. Our Courtney Crown has a recap. Getting employees back to work is top of mind, but it doesn't come without concern. Both Representative Andre Carson and Representative Susan Brooks feel it's a balancing act. That's why we extended the pay uh, uh, of the PPP, and we want to do more for those people who are anxious about losing revenue, but at the same time being safe from exposing themselves to this pandemic. We need to make sure that our the employees are safe and that they uh, can feel as if 
procedures will be put in place, social distancing, maybe masks, maybe gloves. Um, but we have to listen to our medical professionals like Dr. Kane in Marion County. Senator, how long will it take for our country to get through this crisis? So we've been um, home from DC since March 26th and look at what we've uh, seen across the country. Uh, saw the horrific results of what happens when you are blindsided by it in New York and New Jersey. But I think that I'm especially proud of Hoosiers and many states that we're watching. And I've talked to so many business owners across the state that know that you got to take this thing seriously. On a positive note, we've seen manufacturers and neighborhoods come together like never before. Those examples sprinkled throughout the town hall by our federal leaders. The same kind of spirit that I see in my fellow veterans, uh, that spirit to meet the challenge and, and end up to win. And just as Representative Rosorski mentioned, we can win this win this pandemic. We need our local health health uh, officials, our state health officials, and our federal health officials to work together. I can't say enough about our healthcare workers who are our heroes and inside of every single elected government, how everybody's been focused on one thing. And it's been, let's do this for our district. Let's do this for our state. We're gonna win an invisible war and we're gonna do it together. All right, up next, we're going to hear from three more Indiana lawmakers who are part of our statewide town hall. Congressman Trey Hollingsworth, Greg Pence, and Larry Bouchon. Also ahead, we'll talk with our panel and with former Indiana Senator Joe Donnelly. Stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back to In Focus, a coronavirus town hall, bringing your questions directly to your representatives in Washington, D.C. And joining the conversation right now are Congressman Larry Bouchon, Trey Hollingsworth, and Greg Pence, who mainly represent different parts of southern Indiana and some parts of western and eastern Indiana as well. And let's get started with this question from Harry in Muncie, which is part of Representative Pence's district. He asks, being in a pandemic for about six weeks now, when is Congress going to give another stimulus check to help everyone because the first one, while nice, just, quote, put a Band-Aid on things in Harry's words. Congressman Pence, can Hoosiers count on a second stimulus check in the future? Well, thanks. Uh, thanks, Harry. Thanks, Dan, for having me here. You know, I, I would tell Harry one of the things he can do is uh, get on my website, pence.house.gov, and kind of keep up with where where the bills are, where the CARES Act, where the PPP, the PPE, what's going on out there. I had hoped that we would go back to Washington, D.C. and have a debate and discuss this very topic, but for some reason, the Democrats don't want us to go back. Now, we've got doctors, we have nurses, we have grocery stores, C-store workers. Everyone's out there working, but I guess the House of Representatives doesn't have to go back and work and figure these things out. The House physician this week uh, citing some health concerns on that question. Jeffrey in Evansville has a question as well. He believes essential workers should get hazard pay, saying, quote, we are daily putting our lives at risk with no protections. Congressman Bouchon, how do you respond to his concerns and do you support hazard pay for all essential workers? Well, first of all, I think many of your viewers know I was a health care provider before I was a physician and surgeon. And I'd like to thank all the health care providers out there who are doing what you said, risking their lives every day to take care of our fellow uh, citizens. Uh, they should be applauded. I do think that we should have that debate. I think that uh, citizens that are in the healthcare field 
um, that are working every day, taking care of people, putting themselves at risk. I know one person in my district who has rented an apartment and doesn't go home because he's an ER physician and is afraid to uh, spread coronavirus to his children and his family. So, yeah, I think this should be a consideration, and I think we need to get back to Washington, D.C., and have that debate on behalf of the people that we represent. Congressman Hollingsworth, you faced some controversy recently over your remarks on the economic concerns versus the health concerns. We talked about that recently on In Focus, but we're also talking about these protests. There's another protest scheduled tomorrow at the State House with protesters who want the economy opened up, and a pretty intense protest today in Michigan as well. I want to ask you, do you agree with Governor Holcomb when he says these protests, uh, because people are closely gathered and some not in masks, that these protests aren't helping the situation when it comes to social distancing and the guidelines that are in place. I want every Hoosier to be safe. I want everybody that is out protesting to ensure that they are socially distant, to ensure that they're wearing masks. But ultimately, the reason they're protesting is because of the unprecedented restriction on their freedom, the unprecedented restriction on their ability to earn income for their families, the unprecedented restriction on their religious freedoms. And Hoosiers all the way across the district, all the way across the state are starting to say, I want to get back to work. I want to educate my kids. I want to go back to church. I can do those things safely. I will find a way to do those things safely, but they expect to get back to their way of life as quickly as possible, provided that we take all the safety precautions along the way. All right, you can see more of our virtual town hall on our website. Just click on In Focus. Also this week, we spoke with former Indiana Senator Joe Donnelly, who was critical of the administration's efforts to fight the virus. And we needed our federal government uh, to be a partner to the states, to lead the states, to be the ones that are saying, we're going to get these masks here, we're going to do this over here, instead of saying to the states, you're on your own. Senator Donnelly backing the Biden campaign for president. He's been a surrogate for them here in recent weeks. Stick around. We're back with our panel right after this. All right, it's time now to bring in our panel to talk about this week's top stories. Joining us online this week, Laura Wilson, Mike Murphy, Robin Winston, and Tony Samuel. Let's start with you, Indy Political Science Professor Laura Wilson. Laura, the governor making news Friday, announcing these plans to reopen. These are big and complicated decisions for our elected officials, particularly our nation's governors who have been front and center in this fight. They absolutely have. A lot of times people don't necessarily know who their governor is. They may not know everything a governor does. And they may not even be familiar with all the policies that a state passes. But because these are things that people are very interested in, because they have such a direct and tangible impact on their lives, I think you see people really focusing on the governors. And um, of course, for Governor Holcomb, he will be up for election in November. So this is a moment, it's an opportunity for him as he unveils his plans for the future for the state. And as we look at how we're responding to the public health crisis, it's a great opportunity for his administration and certainly a challenge that he hasn't seen yet in his three and a half years in office. And a lot of people were watching that briefing uh, he did on Friday. Let's bring in former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy now. Mike, good to see you. Good to see you. We heard from our Indiana lawmakers there in our town hall this week. They are all in the middle of this crisis as well. But as Laura mentioned, it's an election year. How might this crisis impact not just the election process itself, the race for president, the race for governor, but also the balance of power in Congress? Well, I, I, here in Indiana, there's going to be no change at all. All the Republicans are going to win and all the Democrats are going to win. We don't know who in the 5th District and the 1st District, but it's still going to be a 72 split. Uh, in Washington, I uh, would hope the Republicans can take over. 
And a lot of it depends on, on the popularity of Donald Trump on the 1st of November, right? His popularity right now, in many ways, doesn't, doesn't really matter at all. But um, I saw last night uh, on your, on your uh, town hall, it was very well to do. Yeah, oh, thank you. Thursday, I'm sorry. I, I was um, disappointed in some of the responses. I, I don't think that was a time for politicizing and attacking either party. You saw some of that come out, and it just kind of it kind of lowered the the uh, the standard or the integrity of the whole discussion. With the exception, I would suggest of, uh, of Congressman Congresswoman Brooks, who always performs like a stateswoman. Um, she was clearly the star of the, of the town hall last night. Robin Winston is the former state party chairman for the Indiana Democrats. Robin, good to see you. Your thoughts uh, on you. our congressional delegation and their handling well, of this crisis. Yeah, pressure to be commended for doing it. I mean, that get a bipartisan group of people together in this era on, on Zoom and different places and have it coordinated and known technical glitches. That was fantastic. So thank you for doing it. I think it helped a lot. Uh, today's governor's order um, finally gives clarity. So we don't have a bunch of independent lawmakers walking around telling you what they think is going to happen. We finally have some clarity. I think now it's incumbent for all of us to continue to practice what we've been practicing, social distancing and everything else. But finally, there's clarity. And I think with that clarity is going to be some enthusiasm for people also. All right, let's check in with Tony Samuel. He was the 2016 vice chair for the Indiana Trump campaign. Tony, I want to get your thoughts on the governor and also the president taking a different approach this week when it comes to the daily briefings after some of the controversy the week before. Sure. Thanks, Dan. Um, well, I think I, I agree with everything that's been said by the other panelists. Governor is doing uh, a good job of laying everything out, uh, explaining uh, that we're doing this uh, with everyone's considerations as the top priority, but that we've got to get the economy moving again. So doing it in stages, I think, is is the right and smart way to do. And, and following the lead uh, from the president, uh, uh, to, to the president, uh, since you asked, um, again, I think he's um, doing what's needed and uh, doing it boldly and decisively. Just this week, he uh, announced uh, Operation Warp Speed. I've got, if you can see, my uh, Star Trek Enterprise pen on, so that, uh, that I liked what they called it. Uh, and, and with that, you're, you're combining the uh, HHS at the FDA, uh, the military and the private sector, to move up development of a vaccine, uh, hopefully uh, eight months uh, sooner than, than what's been said. Uh, so by January, they're hoping for a vaccine and what they're doing is preparing it to be distributed, uh, getting, that, uh, get, getting that done uh, while we're still developing the vaccine. So yeah. then when it's done, you can get it out uh, across the country. And, and that's uh, just another uh, good effort coming out of the, the White House and the president. Also this week, he announced uh, that May is seniors month and um, putting an emphasis, a focus on our seniors. This is um, important to me and all of us with, sure. with parents and parents that are um, maybe in senior assisted living facilities like well, my mom, yeah. uh, nursing homes and that kind of thing. So more money for PPE, um, a, a more care and more of an emphasis you, on those folks. You mentioned that, that event he held for seniors. Robin, your thoughts on the different messaging strategy this week from the White House, kind of moving away from that daily briefing that we had seen in the weeks prior? Well, the reason they're moving away from it is he continues to make uh, statements that are not true. Um, people were, were consuming bleach. Uh, there was a whole disinfectant thing. I mean, imagine America with Joe Biden as steady hand as president right now, as opposed to a guy that began this effort saying it was a Democratic hoax when they talked about coronavirus. 
the president is coming around, isn't it amazing that we're giving kudos for doing what we asked him to do, which was to be a mature person? I looked at Mike Pence the other day in Kokomo, and you saw seasoned leadership there. I wish that he would let uh, his medical professionals do their job on the briefings and kind of stay off to the side. Laura, um, your thoughts on everything political that is swirling around this uh, public health crisis we've seen here in recent days and weeks? Yeah, well, there's obviously a lot going on. I think the big questions right now are involving the conflict in terms of the public health and also the economic health. And uh, certainly both of these are really important. But as you see questions of when things should open and how different states are handling situations, uh, kind of sometimes a conflict, it seems, between the states and the cities and the federal government, it's going back to that question of what's best for us as a country and looking at when you have this conflict between public health and what's best for the public good, which of course is subjective, and then also the concerns from an economic perspective yeah. too. I think there's a lot going on at every level of government and it's really unprecedented times in many ways. Mike, I'll give you the last word here. We got about 30 seconds. Well, I think this was clearly Governor Holcomb's finest hour. Um, his plan has been thoughtful, um, measured, uh, very well communicated. I think his shadow is going to loom large in Indiana history. Anna, if I could push back, yeah. if, if we got a few more seconds, I've got Just to push back on, on, on Robin. Uh, he says this a lot. The, the president never said that this was a hoax. The president closed off travel from China in late January. What the president said was that Democrats attacking him and blaming him was a hoax. The president's done uh, a, a, an absolute wonderful job okay. of getting the private sector involved of explaining things uh, to the American public, uh, of, of getting our military uh, medical folks mobilized like never before. Tony, we got to apologize. We got to leave it there. And we will definitely have much more on our podcast, though, uh, with our panelists here on Zoom. Much more to come after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Thanks for joining us. Much more to come on Fox News Sunday and Face the Nation. And we'll have more on our podcast, along with more resources and information on our website. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. All right, continuing now on our podcast, uh, Tony, I'll let you pick up where you left off there as we were talking about uh, some of the political conversations about this uh, crisis swirling around the White House. Sure. Thanks, Dan. I, I just uh, was responding a little bit to, to uh, Robin's comments. The president never has uh, said that the coronavirus was a hoax. That's absurd. The president took bold action from the very beginning in the month of January, closing off travel from China, while the World Health Organization didn't even call this a pandemic until March 11th. Uh, China didn't uh, acknowledge uh, the problems they were having, didn't let uh, US um, investigators and folks from the CDC in to, to, to help and to, to determine what caused this. And, and, and both the World Health Organization and China were uh, saying up into January and February that this wasn't transmittable. The president took that bold action. He's worked well at every stage with the governors. You've got governors, uh, in, in, including uh, just recently, New Jersey Governor Murphy uh, commending and, uh, and, and, and uh, uh, saying great things about the president. Gavin Newsom's done so. Um, uh, Andrew Cuomo's done so. The president has mobilized the private sector um, like, like we've never seen since, uh, since World War II. Uh, and, and he's got everything working uh, uh, providing the PPE, providing ventilators, 
more than were uh, asked for, uh, well, actually more than were needed, I should say. Uh, just time and time again, he's come through in this. I want to say one thing real quick. This is today's the anniversary of uh, of the primary, the Indiana primary, four years ago. Four years ago, yeah. Four years ago on May third. So uh, obviously, this will the, the, there'll be two two this uh, coming week, yeah. May fifth, which has now been moved back to June second. You were there. You were, yeah. So you were big, there yeah the I was there. Yeah. I was the vice chairman along with Rex Early, the chairman. We had a big month. Opened the campaign in early uh, early uh, April and had a heck of a month, but it was the president's visits to Indiana the day after he won the New York primary. Uh, he was here for his first rally at the fairgrounds on April 20th, and he made uh, eight stops into the state between in the next 13 days. And then, uh, as you know, uh, won all 57 delegates. Uh, that was our goal. Uh, he did so. Ted Cruz dropped out that night. John Kasich dropped off, dropped off uh, the next day. Uh, so obviously, um, you know, Tony mentioned four years ago here in Indiana, hard to believe right? Four years um, gone by, but uh, guys, a much, a much different uh, election year this way, this, this time around because of uh, this coronavirus, uh, but obviously still a very heightened uh, and controversial political atmosphere that we, that we live in, Laura. Yeah, it is. I, I think about four years ago, and that was the craziest election I can remember in, in my life. And up until this point, it, 2020 looked like it was going to be um, crazy in itself is certainly going to be really unusual. And we talk about the impact that this might have in November, especially for President Donald Trump. Alan Abramowitz is a political scientist down in Emory, and he's uh, one of the political forecasters. He comes up with a lot of models and trying to predict what's going to happen. And one of his recent models said, whatever happens in the second quarter of GDP growth will be indicative of whether or not mm -hmm. Donald Trump is reelected. And of course, there are many other circumstances that are involved in that kind of predictive modeling. But I think it's a really good point tying in. You have the public health crisis, you have the economic issues. And of course, these are all combined together. And then the impact it's going to have on, on politics. When we look back four years ago, you didn't have the same issues at the forefront, obviously. Um, we weren't dealing with the same types of problems. And, and so I feel like our conversation has completely changed, and not just within, of course, four years, but within a matter of six weeks, maybe a few more, give or take. Right. The world is really changed Laura, I assume, Laura, that you didn't mean to talk about GDP growth in the second quarter. You meant GDP loss, because the first quarter we had a GDP loss, according to the Congressional Budget Office, of 4.8%. The CBO is now pro, uh, projecting a 40% reduction in, in GDP in the second quarter, which would be the worst since uh, 19, well, be four times worse than the worst year ever, which was 1958. So you're right, it's going to, the second quarter is going to be a huge influence on the election. It's just not going to be a gain, it's going to be a huge loss. Yeah, the predictive modeling, that's how he measures it, is the term growth. But you're absolutely right. It's an assumption. A growth could be negative. And in that case, of course, sure. it's actually yeah. a loss. Uh, Robin, Tony, um, this, is, this is going to be uh, an election year full of uh, a lot of tension on a lot of different levels, isn't it? Well, I, yeah. Um, first off, Tony, I'll gladly send you the article, the, the bona fide article, about what the president said. And he did muddy the water on pokes and Democrats all in one paragraph. Your question, Dan, was about the briefings. The briefings have moved away from him, although one day he wasn't gonna do them, the next day apparently he had his own because of some of the facts that are out there. Here's the real issue. We don't want anybody to fail. I mean, Democrat or Republican, because when that happens, the American people fail. 
uh, we've got to get people back to work. We've got people in businesses that are hurting. Uh, I've seen some of the initiatives at the local level, for example, in Columbus, Indiana, they set aside a million dollar fund to help small businesses get grants and get loans so that they can move ahead and start coming back. We've got people that are waiting on unemployment benefits that still desperately need them. Uh, they went to the other day to Kokomo, the scene of where some members of your party, Tony, would have just assumed the auto industry have ended there and look at the retrofit that's been done by those plants and by those workers to bring those plants back. And remember, it was Barack Obama and Joe Biden who flew to Kokomo to talk about bringing those plants back. So when we talk about it, this isn't about just the politics. It's about the people that are impacted by these decisions. We certainly hope, I mean, be fair here, early part of the show, the one that was on television, we talked about the governor and I commended him for finally giving some clarity to what we're doing. But, you know, if I'll gladly send you, Tony, the missteps and the misstatements that this president has made about this all along, as recently as less than a week ago where they had to clean them up. And I would suggest that, that you know, it's fair to say that the governors have really moved beyond the federal response. The governors, the mayors, look at Holcomb's uh, response, Governor Bashir in Kentucky, a Democrat, Governor DeWine in Ohio, a Republican. They've formed this, you know, a triumvirate, so to speak, of, of uh, concerted and coordinated action. Um, you look at uh, Governor Holcomb today, one of the things that we haven't talked about yet is that um, the Governor Holcomb on Friday announced a $300 million grant program yet to be defined in detail for the cities and the towns of this state. I mean, the people at AIM have to be dancing a jig right now because that's critical money for cities and towns that are hurting yeah. just like small businesses and universities and other, other constituencies as well. Yeah. So again, almost a, almost a Marshall plan for Indiana from Governor Holcomb, he's to be commended. Local governments, local businesses certainly are gonna need the help. Uh, Tony, uh, then Laura, give you the final word, Tony. Sure, a, a lot there. Um, I, I, I agree again that uh, Governor Holcomb's doing a good job. Some governors are are um, are not handling things uh, quite as well, um, and we're seeing that if you if you watch the national news. And um, but I think in time, uh, with uh, uh, leadership coming out of the White House from the president, that things will move and uh, continue to move in the right right direction. Uh, this is uh, uh, kind of the the, the point. Uh, in all of this where we're seeing a change. Um, we're still focusing on health uh, primarily as the first uh, goal to, to keep everybody healthy, but now we're moving to, to, to keep the economy, uh, make it healthy again. And uh, yes, the second quarter is gonna be tough, but, but everything I think is starting to rebound. You've seen that in the stock market. Uh, the month of April was the highest percentage gain uh, across the board with, uh, with the stock uh, market and the other indicators. Uh, so that will continue. I, I do agree that it's uh, with the president that's going to be a, a fairly uh, quick uh, bounce back, but that'll be in the third quarter. And I don't think the president's going to get uh, the blame because nobody uh, could have um, predicted this at this time. And uh, at the time, uh, according to listening to the health officials, the right thing to do was to start uh, shutting uh, as much down as you could uh, besides the essential workers. And, and the governors have followed that lead. Um, so, you know, one thing we haven't talked about and, and going back to, to uh, Robin's uh, comments on the television show, I think I think Biden's uh, in for a rough, uh, 
rough bit ahead. Uh, I, I was surprised that he uh, was the uh, made it through the primary uh, with everyone dropping out, and uh, now he's he's got some uh, some rough waters uh, that uh, that he's facing. So we'll wait and see what happens. You responded, yeah, to some of those uh, allegations late in the week. Um, Laura, in the midst of this political environment, uh, can we rally together? Can we come together as a country to deal with this crisis? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, To a point that Robin made earlier, the people matter. And I think this is the opportunity to recognize the exercise of public policy and what's for the public good. And I always use the quotey fingers for that. It's subjective, of course, what you think is truly the best for people. But I feel like you'll see this kind of rally around the flag effect in a lot of ways. And that's when Americans come together from a public opinion perspective. They may not like their elected official. They may not have voted for their elected official, uh, but they recognize that it's important we stand together or divided we fall in that kind of aspect. There are a lot of political decisions. There's going to be a lot of stuff that seems ideological and divisive, but this only works if we all follow along and we are kind of having to hold ourselves and our friends, our peers, our neighbors accountable for it. So it's true public policy in action. I think we can come together through it. In this together, that's the uh, hashtag from the city and state here in, in Indiana. Laura, Mike, Tony, Robin, thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate your time. We'll see you next week.